welcome back to our Saviors Church and welcome back to our It's Time series. We've been spending three weeks in this series so far and I want you to do a short recap today because sometimes, you know, life happens and we kind of forget what's been going on and it's important to know that this is a series and it's a build up and, and, if, and these messages are really transforming if you start putting them to practice in your life. How many of you have done some changes, made some actions happen? How many of you have joined the fast? Let me just see. Yeah? How's the fast been going? Oh man, I, I'm telling you, I fasted like fa- fast, fast. There's nothing fast about a fast. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> I don't know why it's called a fast. It's only you who call it a fast. The rest of the world calls it a fast. That makes sense. No, I'm just messing. All right. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, man, I, I had to have a salad last night because I was, yesterday was hard for me. Yesterday I had like, it was like, it was like I reached that point where I could think of nothing but food. <laughs> and uh, I needed to prepare for the message and everything. So I was like, Man, this isn't good. <laughs> so I, I rather just I ate a salad and um, confession time. Um, and uh, but but continuing with our fast, we want to ask you to join us in this time of preparing our hearts and consecrating this year before the Lord. Um, and uh, our first part of the message, uh, the, the series message, was called "The Light Is Green," aka or it's time to get going. And we talk about talked about you know making some changes to take steps of growth this year and we considered where we were at in our journey with God and our journey with spiritual family and we asked ourselves, you know, what steps can we take this year? Can we can we decide that this year is going to be the year when I I consistently come to church services? Can I decide that this is going to be the year that I join a life group for one of the semesters or maybe multiple semesters and join my journey with other men and women of God who can help me stay strong and help me grow? Um, is this the year I'm going to spend more time consistently in the Word of God? How many of you have been reading our fasting chapters? I'm, uh, I, 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 I didn't read this morning. So, uh, what chapter are we on? Nine. Chapter 7? Somebody said 9. Where are we at? <laughs> Should be 6 or 7 or something. Um, 7. You're also late, bro. <laughs> anyway, so keep staying with us on that end because as we make these little improvements, often... Little changes leads to tipping points that just brings major breakthroughs. I don't know if you've uh, come across that principle in life yet. And it's often not making huge, big, you know, all-encompassing transformations. But it's just uh, maybe waking up 15 minutes earlier and taking the Bible. That's on top of the book of stack of books on your nightstand now because the previous night you put it on top and reading 15 minutes of scripture before you head into your into your into your day we all do like yearly um read through the bible in a year plans um and uh, if you're on you version it's an app that has the bible of multiple translations and multiple bible study plans to it that you can study the word in if you have that app on your bible you can join in with one of those uh read through the bible in a year plans that we're all all going on it's nice to kind of interact on it and be able to so if you're on you version invite me as your friend and I can invite you to one of those things that we're going through. Part two was about time for a checkup. And what we checked up on was, hey, what are we allowing into our lives? What are we allowing ourselves to look at? What are we allowing ourselves to listen to? What are we allowing us to consume? Not just mentally and spiritually, but also physically. Are we staying healthy? Are we respecting this vessel that God has entrusted to us? You know, God has a long plan for your life. 
every year that you're on earth, He has a plan for your life. And He has hoped that you would stay on earth for a long time. And some of that is our responsibility to keep this vessel healthy. And we also spoke about how are we directing, how are we implementing, how are we intentional about our time, our treasures, and our talent? What are we giving in time, in treasure, and in talent? How are we aligning that with God's kingdom so that His order can come into our lives? And today we're going to talk, today's message title is, It's Time to Move Forward. So are you ready to move forward? All right, then you should be ready to talk about failure. That one hit in the gut, didn't it? Yes, because we're going to talk about failure today. We're going to talk about failure today. Now, you don't get many amens when, when a pastor announces that he's going to talk about amen, when he's talking about failure. Um, but I want to ask you to stay with me, okay? Today can be one of the most liberating messages that you've heard if you'll open your heart to the Holy Spirit. So let's all just pray before we head into it. Father, we, we pray now in Jesus' name that by your Holy Spirit, you'll help us, Lord, to lower our guards, our guards and um, to open up our heart to you to receive help, Lord. Help to stand up under failure, beyond after failure, and help to move forward. We need your Holy Spirit. Um, use these words, Father, to just bless people today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so is it just me, or does life throw curveballs at you guys too? Yeah? It's like, here we are planning for 2020, and, you know, uh, you know, being intentional and watching what we do, and boom, all of a sudden, curveball. And those things just take you out by the knees and just, like, slows your progress and kind of sometimes just take the wind out of your sails. And, but we have to learn how to deal with curveballs. We have to learn how to deal with failure if we're going to make it in the Christian life. Are you, are you, can you agree with that? If we don't learn how to manage our failures, we will be taken out by them. And so often it's, it's not about the investments that you've been making, but it's about the risk you've been managing. And it's about the, the things that you've, you've, the mistakes that you have uh, m- missed, that you've not done rather than the positive investments that you've made that actually got you the greatest gain. And those who are in the financial world will know exactly what I'm talking about. And it, but it counts the same for in our lives. Um, the more you can avoid stupid mistakes, the more your momentum keeps going and the little that you're investing starts accruing over time. And so I have a scripture this morning for us to just ponder on as, as we get into this. And it's from John 16, verse 33. It says the following. I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. You may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome this world. Jesus is saying, don't fear when surprises hit you. Because it didn't surprise me. That brings some solace to our hearts, right? It didn't surprise me. Keep your peace. And I want you to know that you can keep your peace. It doesn't matter what you failed in before. It doesn't matter how bad that failure was. God can redeem it. God can work it back into His plan and His purpose for your life. We're going to look at that today. So what have I told you that the key to your greatest success this year is exactly how you deal with failure. And that is sometimes one of the most truest things in our lives. All right, so here's one one thing we need to know. 
You either learn by obedience or you learn by experience. Can we say this? You learn by obedience or you learn by experience. Okay, so if you learn by experience, you choose to have not obeyed. Okay, now the best way to learn by experience is to learn by other people's experience. Right, and that's why the Bible is so awesome because often we look at the Bible and we think, man, the Bible is just filled with all these amazing stories. Well, if you read in the details, and that's why we kind of go through the Old Testament and the New Testament every year, um, because it, it actually shows us how many failures there are in the lives of the people that God walked with. Now, let me just run through a little list of that. For instance, Noah drank too much. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham gave his wife to marry to other men twice. David had an affair and was a murderer. Gideon was a coward. Samson had girl problems. Jonah rejected God's uh, commands and ran away from him. Martha was a serial warrior with an O. <laughs> the disciples abandoned Jesus. The Samaritan woman found love in all the wrong places. Elijah was suicidal, and Paul was also a murderer. Does that make you feel a little better about yourself right now? <laughs> Man, I haven't killed somebody yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> That's why the Bible is so valuable, because it's not, this, it's not this compilation of perfection. It's actually this compilation of one perfect one, a perfect God that walks with a bunch of imperfect people. And it tells me that if God can walk with those imperfect people, He can walk with me. He can redeem me from my failures. He can redeem me from, from my mess-ups. And, uh, and, and that's the message of today that I want to leave with you. God is perfect. We blow it often. We misjudge things. We say the wrong things. We do the wrong things. We often, we often fail. Am I in my own company today or am I in the right company today? We often fail. And I've often said to people when they give me compliments that, uh, about anything that I've done that I'm a, I'm a deeply failed man. I have failed my wife. I have failed my kids. I have failed my friends. I have failed my church. I have failed, I have failed in so many areas of life. And... It's by the grace of God that I stand here today, not by my own power or strength. And you need to know that. You need to know that pastors aren't perfect. Just because we got this job from God, like those men in the Bible got those jobs from God, got anointed by God to fulfill a particular task, didn't automatically save them from all the, you know, the wiles of the enemy, all the tricks of, of, of life. It didn't save them from... You know, their own stupidity, which is often the one you know, <laughs> that you, you face more than the others. <laughs> it's your own stupidity. Um, but yet God is able to somehow take the wrecks we cause and make artworks out of them that brings life to others around us. And, and so that would be our, our objective here today, to get each and every one of you to see that God can make artwork artworks out of he can make masterpieces out of your wrecks and so why do we fail number one we fail because we're at fault we choose to sin we choose to not obey and when we sin 
we face consequences. And those consequences aren't pleasant. And if we choose to live the, our own way, then we will get the fruit of our own way. And I've often said to you guys that the kingdom of God is not a religion. The kingdom of God is a, is a government. It is a way of life. It is an authority. And it comes into our lives with directives. It comes into our lives with, with, with an order, a code, according to if which we would live to, it will create order and it will create beauty in our lives. And to the extent that we're able to, what the Bible says, seek first His kingdom, seek first His order, His way of doing things, live according to His principles and His plans, to the extent that we're able to do that, He is able to create beauty, prosperity, and peace in our lives. To the extent that we choose to not is to the extent that we would, which we will experience destruction, which we will experience challenges. Because we're at fault. It is often because of our own failure and our own stupidity that we fail and that we come up short. Number two, it could be a situation where somebody else was at fault. They were at fault. And because of that, things worked out to the point where you failed in something that you wanted not to fail in. And, and, and it's not necessarily your fault, but as a consequence of what has happened around you, people's decisions, it impacted you. And you experienced failure. Sometimes it was you did fail. Sometimes you just experienced a sense of, I failed because of what somebody else did. But it wasn't even really your fault. And, and, and sometimes it's just because it's no one's fault. And then we just ascribe it to the fact that this world is broken. Did you know that when God created this world, He created it good and perfect? Go read the first chapter of Genesis. It tells you about the whole process of God creating order out of chaos. And after every step, God says, this is good. This is good. This is good. And He creates man and says, this is very good. And everything works perfect until man decides to go against God's order of doing things and introduces chaos back into the equation. And from there on, we see earth just spiraling out of control. We see men spiraling out of control and all kinds of evil just multiplying in the earth. Now, was that God's idea to start off with? No. If it was His idea, He would have created it like that. But we see from the nature of how He created it, what His intention and what His will was, what He wanted to happen. He did not want it to be broken. He made it well. He made it good. And so when we're experiencing things in life, often it is not because of our mistake or other people's mistakes. It's just because this, this, this life is broken. This world isn't going to function perfectly. You know, Somebody's going to forget to put their blinker on and boom, there's a crash. And how many times have that happened to us that out of nowhere, we weren't asking for it, we weren't doing anything wrong even, and then boom, something happens. Sometimes we also experience like direct opposition by, by Satan. The enemy would come and he would, he would attack us personally. And, 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 and we make a mistake if we think, that this life is just all, you know, natural and that stuff. There are spiritual beings that are, that are influencing this, this world. And we come up against them often in the form of the effects that they have on the earth. Bad ideas, wrong, evil motives. But sometimes we come up against them personally when they, 
when they really attack us in areas. And if we don't stand and take captive the thoughts that come from these beings, we will fail. And these are the reasons why we fail in this life. And, and unfortunately, today, I cannot tell you that here's a little pill, drink it, and, and, and you know, you'll never fail again. But here's what I am saying to you, is that no matter how many times you fail, if you put your trust in God, He will turn it around. And He will help you stand up to move forward. Say, it's time <coughs> to move forward. <coughs> All right, so today we're going to look at a man in Scripture by the name of Peter who was no failure, no stranger to failure. He, um, I mean, he had multiple times when, when the Bible records his failures, and yet he's, he's one of the, those most interesting characters because of his boldness. It's, it's Peter. And uh, Peter was the one who, who said to Jesus that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was the first one that kind of got the revelation that Jesus wasn't just an earthly ruler, that Jesus was actually God's Son um, here to bring in God's kingdom. And, and then, like literally moments later, according to what we can understand from Scripture, um, <laughs> Jesus has to rebuke him for, for overstepping his place. And first he recognizes who Jesus is, and then he says to Jesus, no, you're not going to do that, and tries to prevent Jesus from fulfilling his earthly uh, um, purpose. And Jesus has to say to him, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. And so you find this, this, this character who, who steps out in faith and does amazing things, but he also you know, has to get corrected by Jesus multiple times. Second time was when he was you know, invited by Jesus to step out of the boat and walk on water. And that's incredible account. And, 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 and Jesus enables him and empowers him to walk on water through his faith. And then the next minute, he, he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts sinking. And he has to cry out for saving. And Jesus comes and rebukes him for having little faith, for having taken his eyes off him. And, and then the one that we want to specifically focus on today, and probably the one that is most known, um, is the, the, the part where he denies Christ where he denies Jesus after Jesus is captured and, and, and arrested. So let's pick this story up um, in Luke 22. I'm reading verse 60. It says, Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will deny me three times. So I'm just imagining this moment. Peter is, he's kind of staying with an eyesight of where they are. They have Jesus captured. And it's like Jesus knows he's there, but he's not acknowledging him. And Peter is interacting with people. And they, three times, somebody comes to him and says to him, hey, don't, aren't you part of that group? Weren't you part of them? And he denies it. And at the third time he denies it, a rooster crows. He remembers what Jesus said. And as he remembers it, he looks up and he sees Jesus. And Jesus at that moment knows what happened. And he turns around and their eyes meet. And Peter knew exactly there and then that he had just made the biggest mistake in his entire life. I can just imagine life drains from Peter. He just feels that, that break in relationship between him and Jesus. The Bible says, 
he went out and he wept. He went out and he wept. Failure, failure often goes through three stages. And the first is that is the moment, the moment of failure. Maybe you can relate to Peter. I most certainly can relate to Peter. I've had many moments of failure. Maybe you crossed the line in a relationship or you did something that you're ashamed of. Maybe you're, you're stuck in, in some form of habitual sin pattern. And every time you go back there, you just feel life drain from you. And you feel that break in relationship between you and God. Maybe you feel like you've let your family down. Or maybe you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it, it caused you to be a failure. Or not of your own doing. But you feel that, you feel that, that agony of being in that situation where you are at currently. And the fact is that it doesn't matter what led to your failure, all failure leads to pain. It leads to a sense of intense loss and pain. In Luke 2 verse 62, it said, Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. And I can just imagine him going, Peter, what the heck did you do? Why did you do this? Just resenting himself for not being bold enough. Resenting himself for not, for not being obedient, for not being strong enough. Just looking at himself and being disgusted with himself about where he's at. And feeling that his heart is just being ripped out of his, his ribcage. And it's just the, the agony of the emptiness of that failure just totally ripping him apart. Have you resented yourself like that because you failed at something? Have you screamed at yourself, why did you do this? Started cursing yourself? Have you asked yourself sometimes, why did this happen to me and why didn't God stop it? And it's interesting that in these times of pain, we get so confused that we turn against God. We turn against God. He wasn't the one who failed. We were the ones who failed. But somehow in this deluded, disoriented place of wanting to just find relief of the pain that's on the inside, we go, you should have done something. I hope this says to somebody that there have been others as well that have gone through moments like this where the pain of failure that you have to deal with is just so agonizing that you do not know which way to turn to get relief from it. What happens in these moments is we often start becoming so focused on ourselves a couple of things happen. We, we resent ourselves. We blame ourselves. And then we try to fix ourselves. We try to say, I'm going to do this better. And none of those things, unfortunately, really helps. Because if you were able to fix yourself, you wouldn't have failed in the first place. 
cannot fix yourself. See, these moments that we have to realize that there's only one way out of this. And the worst thing we can do in this moment is to actually quit. Is to say to ourselves, I'm no longer worthy of this. I do not deserve this anymore. I just need to let this go. I just need to remove myself from this and quit. I just need to walk out of this relationship. I just need to walk out of this conflict situation. I need to walk out of this, this wreck that I caused and just walk away because I can't fix it and I'm disqualified from being involved. You know what happens when you do that? You waste your pain. You waste everything that you've gone, up to, uh, gone through up to that point. Because there's only really one way where you can get disqualified. And that's when you quit. When you quit, you waste your pain. But if you press on, God can work this around into the third stage of failure. And that is the purpose. In this next passage I'm going to read, Jesus comes and he redeems Peter. He literally picks Peter up out of the ashes. And the most beautiful part of it is, is he does not only pick him up, but he perfectly reinstates him. Perfectly. Let's read from John 21 verse 15. It said, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And then he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You notice here it happened three times that Jesus asks him, do you love me? And not at the end, but every single time, Jesus says to him, continue to do what I called you to do. I called you to be a shepherd to my people. And it didn't change. Your failure didn't change it. And for every time that Peter denied him, Jesus said, I forgive you. But not only I forgive you, not only picked him up, reinstated him. Said to him, now go do what I called you to do. It's the same pattern. Jesus always does this. doesn't matter who he catches out doing what. He says to him, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. I forgive you. Now go do what I called you to do. Jesus was working Peter's failure into being something that can still fulfill the purpose that he had on his life. God wasn't done with Peter just because he failed. And neither is God done with any one of us in this room. If we have failed, God will pick you up, dust you off, and reinstate you 
if you do not resent yourself, disqualify yourself, and quit. And the key is to press on. And so how do we press on? First, you need to realize God doesn't cause the failure, but God redeems the failure caused by us to empower us into our purpose. It's really important that we know that. God doesn't cause the failure. It's us, or it's others, or it's this world. But you can trust God, and because you can trust God, the first thing, the first step we need to take towards failing forward is that we have to make a change. We have to acknowledge that our sin and our failure is our responsibility. It's something we did. And by doing that, we're saying, Lord, I need to step back into relationship with you. I need to step back into relationship with you. I need to respond to you again. And the only way to respond to God is to, like, like David said, it's, like, it's against you and you alone that I've sinned. It's against you and you alone that I've sinned. That's the first step. We have to make a change. You cannot keep focusing on yourself and trying to fix yourself or resent yourself or act, consider yourself as disqualified. You need to step back into intimacy with God. That is your first, first step. And you know, that's the most difficult one because it, it takes, you know, it's, you, you, you kind of have to go through the shame of it. And you have to embrace the help that Jesus is offering. And sometimes that's the most difficult thing to do because we're prideful people. We're, we're strong on the inside in ourselves and we don't want to admit that we need God to get through this. But you have to throw yourself on the grace of God. You have to throw yourself on the grace of God and, and stop trying to live your life the way you choose to live your life. And in every area of your life, you need to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Every single area of your life, you need to give it to His leadership. And decide to follow His leadership. Second thing is we need to uh, make a change. We need to, we need to change how we interact with people. We're going to have to go and say sorry to people. If your failure affected other people, you're going to have to repent to them. And here's the important thing. It's not enough to say you're sorry. You also have to ask for forgiveness. Because it's different. It's different to say I'm sorry than to say, will you please forgive me? Second thing. Wait, first. James 4 verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. If you will humble yourself before God, acknowledge that before God, He will give you grace. You know, I always say to people, there is enough space in God's grace for your failures. But there's also enough power in God's grace for your victory. If you will fall on the grace of God, it will empower you to stand up and to move beyond that failure. The second thing we have to do, the second, second step we need to take is, is to start moving forward with our new found relationship with God. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. You see how that verse ends there it comes back to purpose 
If you will allow God to take your situation and to rework it into His purpose for your life, He can make a masterpiece out of your wreck. But if you stop short of this point, the wreck remains and nothing good can come from it. So God is inviting each and every one of us to say, Lord, this was my failure. I'm submitting this to you. And whatever you need to do to make that become a reality, if you need to speak to somebody, if you need to take time during this fasting period to really press through that in Scripture, then that is what you need to do to start moving forward. You've got to move beyond the why did I do this or why did this happen to me to what is next? What is God calling me to do? What is God wanting me to move in from here? You have to move beyond why to what. What brings you back to God's purpose for your life? Because He still has a purpose for you. And your failure did not um, cancel His purpose on your life. Number three, you just need to keep moving forward. You need to stay the course. And sometimes this is where it becomes so difficult because... If you walk alone and you fall, Proverbs says, who's there to, st- to, to, to lift you up? And that's why it's so important to walk with family. Why it's so important for us to realize that people need spiritual family. People need spiritual family. Proverbs 24 says, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Don't see your failure as a roadblock. In fact, it could actually be a staircase. It's just another step that God is leading you forward in to go to where He wants you to go. Now, you can decide how many steps there is. You know, choose a staircase of 10 steps, not 100. It's way easier to cross a staircase of 10 steps. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. If we don't give up. If we don't give up. We all stand for a minute. I want to pray over us today. and Here's what I want to pray about. If you know that there's failure in your past or there's failure in your present and you've been, you've been wrestling with that, this message is, is an invitation by God to you that says, take my hand, let's work through this, let's grow through this. The Bible says, in all things, God is working for the good. That means in good times and in bad times. It means in success and in your failure. God is always working for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. God wants you to know that you've not been disqualified. In fact, He is just about to reinstate you. If you will take His hand, He will lead you on this journey. 
So if you're ready to make a change and move forward, I want you to put up your hand so we can pray over you today. Just right there where you are. Just put your hand up. Some failure in my life. Stuff that I have felt the pain of. Stuff that I resent myself for. Stuff that happened to me that I feel unfairly treated. And I just need to move beyond that. God wants to help you today. To stand up under it and to move up, move beyond it. Put up your hand right now. Thank you. I see those hands going up. Let's pray this prayer. Of, I'll, I'll pray over you. You just receive from God for now. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you that your word says to us that you love us despite our failure. And your Bible promises, Lord, that if we will confess our sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. We pray today for that cleansing to happen. Cleanse us of the shame, Lord God. And Lord, redeem us from every consequence that we're facing. Help us to walk through it, Father, to where your kingdom order can get reestablished in our lives, where your perfect will again is reality around us. We want to bring you our failure. And we want to say thank you for saving us, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Most importantly is, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, that failure has no way to go. You have no one to bring it to. Jesus wants to take that failure from you. But you first have to give your life to Him. You first have to make Him your Savior and acknowledge Him as your Lord before He can do that for you. So that's why His invitation to you also today is if you have not admitted that, that you need salvation and that the cross of Jesus Christ is the only way through which that can come to you, that you need to ask Him to save your life, to save your soul before He can save you from your failure. And so today here, if you've never admitted that you need a Savior and you've never prayed to Jesus a personal prayer to ask Him to save you and to save your soul and you want to do that today, you want to entrust your life to Him, I want to invite you to raise your hand and pray with us so that your life can today be securely set in the Father's hand. So just raise your hand right now. One, two, three. If that's you, if you want to submit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time, just raise your hand right now and we will pray over you. I know this is a daunting thing to do, to put your hand, your life in the hands of the living God. Anybody raise their hands? I need to see a hand because I've put your hand high if you want. All right. I see some hands there in the way back. 
I would like us to pray. If you raised your hand, you pray this prayer with us from your heart. The Bible promises that inside of your heart will be, a miracle will take place. You will be set free from your sin and your shame and you will become a child of God. So why don't you pray with us and let's all pray together. Let's say this, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God and I believe that you died on the cross for me. You paid my price so I wouldn't have to. Today, Lord, I believe in your salvation as the only way to the Father. Thank you that I can declare that you are today my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for receiving me as your child. In Jesus' name.